You are listening to It's Midnight Somewhere with DJs Mistress McCutcheon and The Wasteland. It's midnight somewhere. It's midnight. Hi, this is Mistress McCutcheon coming to you from downtown Toronto, and it is spooky season. I'm, of course, accompanied by my partner in crime, The Wasteland. Who is uh, currently bathed in red light in a pink room. It's very Suspiria vibes. It's it's so aesthetic. I, I, I kind of dig it. I'll be honest. It looks great on camera. It does. Although you all can't see it because this is a podcast and we're not on video, but uh, we're making faces at each other on a call and having this lovely chat. Um because life got really lifey, so we skipped a month last month. Uh, I don't know if you missed us or not. Man, September, it already happened? Ugh. Time is an illusion. I can't believe it's already October. But, uh, you know, it's the high holy goth holiday uh, month and uh, otherwise known as amateur night for the rest of the world. But Gothmas uh, for the rest of us. Yeah. Merry Gothmas. It's, it's Gothmas. So it's the time to buy all your cool housewares so that you can have things with bats and black cats and spiders on them. And uh, yeah. And that's, you know, without having to get rodents or <laughs> bugs in your house. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. Get the black kitties. Kitties need homes. Oh, black kitties always need homes. Except I, I adopted my cats on November 1st. They won't adopt out cats uh, before Halloween, black cats, because some people are assholes. So, because I know Nagi and Samosa were both adopted uh, literally on November 1st. Although Nagi wow. is no longer with us because he died in January, but Samosa is still yelling at me to this day. Well, somebody's got to. It's true. She is the queen of the castle. <laughs> All right. So you want to introduce why we're here today? Special. We, we kind of teased we here it back today? in August. Why are we here today? What are doing? Well, I think the best way to introduce this is with a song. And I would like to kick off this theme episode with a song from the Kentucky Vampires. This one is from their album Crimson Curse, and it is St. Vincent. Now... Twelve long hours before the sun will rise. Drive them back to darkness. Reaching deep in the darkest minds of 
So if you haven't guessed, today we are going to be talking about an icon of horror. We're going to be talking about Vincent Price. So I think before we get into any of the specifics, I always have the question of your first experience with Vincent Price. Where did did you first learn of his existence or talents? I think I was probably first exposed via like Gilligan's Island and Sesame Street and The Muppet Show and and uh, things like that. And then, of course, uh, Thriller, because he yeah, had narrated thrill- that uh, segment of the song. Thriller was definitely mine. I was like, oh, it's all creepy. And my mom's like, you know, he's more than just a guy on this song, right? <laughs> so that was definitely mine. And that's where it started. Yeah, it's kind of amazing because his influence and presence has spanned several generations. He is nicknamed the Merchant of Menace, the Renaissance Man, and the Master of Horror, although he didn't start out as a horror guy, but is best known for his films in the horror genre. It's not only that, but a lot of people always say confuse him with uh, British acting because he has that like very Shakespearean delivery. But he's actually was born in St. Louis, Missouri, the youngest of four children, May 27th, 1911. Yeah, he shares a birthday with Christopher Lee, who, of course, we know as Dracula from the films in the 1960s and is just after the day after Peter Cushing, who is another iconic figure in horror, who you'd know him as Baron Frankenstein in six of the seven Frankenstein films and Dr. Von Helsing in five of the Dracula films. And then he also appeared in several other Hammer horror films. Well, you know, Christopher Lee and I were born the same day. He claims 10 years later but that's a lie and uh, Peter Cushing was born the day before 26th of May and, and Christopher and I was at 27th of May well one time I was here doing a film with both of them and I thought it'd be kind of fun to have a party so I looked around for a place and I found a marvelous place was the Chamber of Horrors in Madame Tussauds and we had a birthday party there it was wonderful fun you couldn't tell who were the actors <laughs> The actual acting debut was on stage at the Gate Theater 1935 production of Chicago. His first film role was in was as the leading man in Service Deluxe in 1938. Yes, he uh, got into acting, realized his his calling was acting after um, he had gone to school at Yale and realized he was a creative and needed to be involved in acting. Although, again, Vincent Price is such a well-rounded creative person. He was also an art collector, and that started very early on in his life as well. He had bought a Rembrandt etching at the age of 14 and had started his art collection from there uh, and was always a a supporter of art and and getting uh, everyone sort of familiar with art and appreciating art. 
Which is kind of important because I think at 14, the, the closest I got to doing anything art related was throwing mixtapes at friends. I didn't even have money for a Rembrandt. Can you imagine having money for a Rembrandt at 14? Well, I think at the time the it was like 30, I want to say it's like $37 was what it cost $37 for, for this in etching. the 1920s. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't have $37 as a 14-year-old in the 1990s, so valid, valid. <laughs> but uh, cuz I, I had seen later interviews with him and he had still had this etching and everybody was like, "Well, how much is it worth now?" and he was like, "Oh, it's just an etching. It wasn't like millions of dollars or anything." But uh but he recognized the importance of uh, art appreciation and help promote that. You used to buy art for people. Did you act as an art advisor? Yes, did, I bought 55,000 works of art in about three years all over the world. It was wonderful. It was like being a secondhand millionaire, yeah. spending somebody else's money. <laughs> um, didn't he have a project that made art more accessible too for everyone really? Yeah, he introduced a thing with, with Sears to help people be able to access art and be able to buy art. Which is kind of cool when you think about it, because Sears was the first company to do stuff like that. And be- as a direct result, you could walk into Ikea and get wall prints today. Yeah. Like that, that is a tradition that still carries on in most home decor stores. Yeah. But yeah, he was in a wide variety of films through the 1930s and the 1940s. And then Hollywood kind of shifted uh, because then what was happening was actors like Marlon Brando and James Dean, who are more method actors, that particular style was more prominent in Hollywood. And because Vincent Price wasn't of that same ilk, his direction kind of went elsewhere. And this is where he started going into the horror genre and how he elevated horror. There's so much to be said for what he did because he presented, now this is just me being subjective here, but to me, he presented horror in like the the traditional, you know, way with movies like Waxwork. But then you also have things where it was a little bit more esoteric, where I'm thinking of the abominable, doc, the abominable Dr. Phoebes or Fives, mm-hmm. I always say it wrong, where like if you watch the movie, it's it's more of a... It feels more like a detective movie than a horror movie, right? Because you don't get a lot of that over-the-top stuff like you do in Waxwork, you know? Yeah. Well, that and have you ever seen The House on Haunted Hill? I saw half of it, and it was very late. I think I started watching it like uh, 2 in the morning, and then I fell asleep because I am not a very good person. well see that's the fun part about adhd is that if you're not like super engaged in something you start falling asleep and watching movies becomes really hard especially late at night where you're like i have all the energy in the world to watch this movie but this also explains why i make jewelry while i'm watching tv or watching a movie is because my hands have to be occupied so that i can pay attention and stay awake during the movie because otherwise it's just it's hard. But I, I bring up the house on Haunted Hill because I, I think it's it's got a lot of the it establishes a lot of the the sort of horror tropes that we see through today with the the women screaming and although it's it was also kind of hilarious to me because they're in this house. The whole premise of the movie is they're they've been invited to this house for a party and it's sort of a dare where they need to be able to stay the night. And if they stay the night, all the guests will get $10,000 and the house is pretty creepy. And there's, 
there's a vat of acid in the basement. <laughs> like just this trapdoor and a vat of acid. So like just don't fall into the vat of acid. Like it, it, watching it today, this movie came out in the uh, late 1950s, but watching it today, it's it's very delightfully campy. Oh yeah, and uh, and I mean Vincent Price is just such a presence. Seeing Vincent Price on film, he is such a distinctive character, and his voice is always very sort of ominous, and he's got a bit of a lisp to his voice, and yet apparently all his colleagues are like, oh yeah, you know, he was very on, on camera, and then as soon as he was off camera, he was like joking around, and just sort of this fun and very, uh, very nice guy. Yeah. From what I remember of House on Haunted Hill, the whole thing where his wife is like, why are these people in our house? And he was like, I told you we were going to have a weird dinner party. And she's like, I didn't really mean that or something like that. Yeah, his wife. <laughs> well, this is like his fourth wife. And, you know, she's out to kill him and he doesn't trust her. And it's I don't know. There, it, there's a there's a light touch of uh, misogyny in the film. The uh, one of the young women who's a guest and. It's just, again, I'm still laughing over the fact that there's like a vat of acid in the basement. Like, just don't fall into the vat of acid. Don't you have a vat of acid acid in your basement? Well, that would explain why I'm not a parent, because my children would have gone into it. (laughs) Into the vat of acid with you. (laughs) Oh, oh, maybe. Yeah. Shh, you heard nothing. I don't have a basement. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh. (laughs) I think we just derailed our conversation. Again. Again. Yeah, we're having squirrel brain today. Well, it only took us an hour to get all the tech sorted. Maybe longer. Throwing children into acid. We're not going to talk about children being thrown into acid. Why not? We already did. Well, it's too late now. (laughs) Leave it in. It's already there. (laughs) All right. Well, then, you you know, as you said, House on Haunted Hill, it's, it's the end of the 50s. And then you come into the 60s, the time of a lot of pure camp where he did TV and movies. And this is where, as you uh, noted, he was on Batman, one of the campiest shows of all time. Back, I say. This is a radar egg. And the slightest vibration will make it explode. But everybody at that time was on Batman. So, again, it was sort of a refresh to get the audience to remember, oh, yeah, Vincent Price, because... He'd been acting since the 30s and 40s and then coming around to the 60s. uh, Yeah. Again, it was an introduction to a new generation. Yeah, but he was still pretty prolific through the 60s. In the 60s, he also did. He had success with The House of Usher from Edgar Allan Poe, which then led to it was such a box office hit for a low budget movie. It made over two million dollars at the time. And then that led to The Pit and the Pendulum and The Mask of the Red Death. So they had brought those to the screen, which I think is some of the first time some of those were. Yes, I think you are correct. Because that you can see some really horror high camp. He was the host of the 1974 Horror Hall of Fame. And uh, there's a clip of it that you can see on YouTube. That's actually a lot of fun. They get into a lot of really silly puns and, and things like that. And, you know, it's just tis the spooky season. It's definitely a fun watch. For those of you who are faint of heart and weak of stomach, I must warn you, This program is filled with chills, suspense, horror, the weird and the gruesome. It's a lot like, let's make a deal. He did a lot of fun stuff. Like, of course, we were talking about this last week when I saw you, last week, the week before, uh, the hilarious House of Frightenstein. 
Ran for three seasons as a kid's show. Filmed right here in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Yeah, that's only a show that I got acquainted with once I moved to Canada because uh, Americans probably wouldn't know the show. But uh, it's a lot of fun. Super campy. Super campy. I, I didn't know it either until like three days before we were talking about it when my partner was like, hey, you should check this out if you're going to do your show of Vincent Price. And then as we would find out from another friend of ours, um, I'm watching it and I'm like, some of these scenes, I think he's had a couple. And there's a couple of scenes with uh, the other guy, the other big actor in it, Billy Van, where it's like, he seems like he's had a couple. And sure enough, our friend Anna confirmed that, yeah, he would show up and bring beer for the cast and then they would shoot. <laughs> <laughs> So if you go and watch this, there's a couple of them where he's doing these rhyming poems and he's just too happy and too into it for what the poem's about. And and it sounds like that that slight lisp he has is a little bit more slurry and he's... And then uh, Billy Van himself goes to do these Griselda's cooking as a witch. And yeah, he like forgets lines midway. He's like, why'd I pick this up? And then throws it over his shoulder. It's really, you could tell. Once you know that they were drinking on set, it's like, yeah. Yeah, they were. The Oracle received a man who'd recently been wed, who said his bride could read the stars from bumps across his head. Oh, that's poppycock and balderdash, the Oracle exclaimed. Oh, no, the man said. No, it works. It just can't be explained. So you believe in magic bumps, said the Oracle in doubt. (laughs) Then tell me, sir, what happens when your bump supply runs out? Quite simple, said the man to him. It's really not a chore. My wife just gets a hammer (laughs) and we start to raise some more. (laughs) I thought they were. Um, My partner thought they were. We were talking about that and then we had that confirmed earlier. So that's pretty funny. For a kid show. Let's get sauced and film a show for kids because the 70s. Yeah, the 70s. And in 1975, uh, Vincent Price was a part of My Nightmare, which was a television special filmed with Alice Cooper here in Toronto. This special was promotion for Alice Cooper's first solo album, Welcome to My Nightmare, and was essentially music videos before music videos. And you can hear, of course, Vincent Price's distinctive voice as a narrator on the song The Black Widow. I'm not a huge Alice Cooper fan. I didn't really know any of that. I got to check out that video. (laughs) I'm sure that's got some laughs in it. Yeah. I mean, again, if you're looking for high camp, I was watching it and then it just kept bringing up uh, Rocky Horror Picture Show to mind. There's a lot of these like super choreographed dance scenes and and there's a whole scene for some folks that's got uh, these dancing skeletons that I really like. Uh, But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Super campy. Apparently, Alice Cooper... Uh, had to have Budweiser shipped to Canada because it was his favorite beer while they were on the set, which I was like, ooh, you don't have taste. But but at the same time, I thought it was really funny because because of the generation that we are, we always associate, oh, Vincent Price in music, we think of Michael Jackson's Thriller because he does that whole narration rap sort of piece in the song. But prior to that, he did this, uh, this song and this special with Alice Cooper. So I thought that was very interesting as well, even though, yeah, I'm not an Alice Cooper fan myself. I mean, it just goes to show, he, like you said, he wanted to work and he was going to work with whoever would invite him on. 
if it seemed like a good enough idea. I'll do anything. You're sort of, you're a sort of American Beryl Reed, really. <laughs> I'm taller than Beryl. But you know, you gotta, you gotta appreciate that ethic, that work ethic. Yeah, and I mean, he was just super enthusiastic, and he really loved what he did. I mean, he was immortalized in Tim Burton's uh, animated short, Vincent, and Sesame Street created the character Vincent Twice, Vincent Twice, who was sort of this um, sort of narrator, presenter, just like Alistair Cookie for <laughs> Monsterpiece Theater, if you remember that. That was, I think, that was towards the end of his life, too. I don't think he voiced it, did he? Uh, I can't recall, but it was sort of this homage to him, and he loved it. He loved it. I am your host, Vincent Twice. Vincent Twice. Welcome to Mysterious Theater. But then, of course, to talk about, talking about things he loved, it, it, it seemed to be like he, he, had a, he had a fan for doing about everything, but uh, his favorite role was the great mouse detective. Yes, yes. Being the the voice in uh, in The Great Mouse Detective was one of his favorites. Uh, Vincent Price considers his greatest theatrical triumph was his one-man show called Diversions and Delights in which he played Oscar Wilde. And this was in the late 1970s. And that's something I definitely would love to have seen, but I don't think there is any uh, any film of of that particular show. Give us, give us a reading from some from Oscar well, Wilde. Well, Oscar Wilde. What's your favorite bit? I think my favorite bit is he comes out and he says, uh, with your kind permission, I should like to read you a poem. Well, that is to say, it is a poem committed to memory. And the reason it is committed to memory is due to the fact that I wrote it. <laughs> yes, I have all of my poems committed to memory, with the exception of La Bella Donna della Mia Menti, which is uncommittable. I have chosen The Harlot's House, a title I trust will not disappoint you. The Harlot's House. We caught the tread of dancing feet. We loitered down the moonlit street and stopped beneath the harlot's house. Inside, above the din and fray, we heard the loud musicians play the Troyes Liebesherz of Strauss. Like strange mechanical grotesques making fantastic arabesques, the shadows raced across the blind. We watched the ghostly dancers spin the sound of horn and violin like black leaves wheeling in the wind. Like wire-pulled automatons, slim silhouetted skeletons went sidling through the slow quadrille, then took each other by the hand and danced a stately saraband. Their laughter echoed thin and shrill. Sometimes a clockwork puppet pressed a phantom lover to her breast. Sometimes they seemed to try and sing. Sometimes a horrible marionette came out and smoked its cigarette upon the steps like a live thing. Then turning to my love, I said, the dead are dancing with the dead. The dust is whirling with the dust. But she, she heard the violin and left my side and entered in. Love passed into the house of lust. Then suddenly the tune went false. The dancers wearied of the waltz. The shadows ceased to wheel and whirl. And down the long and empty street, the dawn with silver sandaled feet mm. crept like a frightened child. Pretty good Beautiful, stuff. Beautiful, yes. Wonderful. You know, the you greatest know, last line in the history of the world was wild when he was dying in a terrible cheap hotel in Paris. He looked at the wallpaper, which was terrible, and he said, one of us has got to go. <laughs> and he went. <laughs> 
So he also did a set of uh, recordings of dramatic readings of short stories and poems by Edgar Allan Poe that was collected together and released as a collection with complimentary readings by Basil Rathbone, who played Sherlock Holmes in many of the Sherlock Holmes films in the 1939 to the 40s. And then he ended up in quite a bit horror movies later on, uh, many of the Hammer of Horror and things like that, uh, with Boris Karloff. He was in Tower of London. He was in Comedy of Terrors. He, you know, he did a lot of the moves, films alongside with Peter Lorre, as you were saying earlier. So he, he went from, he had a similar career trajectory where he started in one spot in the 30s and by the 70s was in a completely different spot and just wanted to keep working, like, yeah. like Price. Yeah. One of the other things I wanted to point out from the 60s and 70s, in addition to Vincent Price being this campy horror icon, was he was also a gourmet cook. And he actually authored several cookbooks with his second wife, Mary, in the mid 60s and early 70s. The book, there's several books uh, of his, but they've been out of print, although A Treasury of Great Recipes and Mary and Vincent Price's Come Into the Kitchen Cookbook were both recently reprinted in uh, 2015 and 2016. He also had a reprints. Yeah, they did get reprints because uh, he also had a cooking show called Cooking Price Wise on British television in 1971. Huh. Yeah, and, and apparently also spent some time promoting his cookbooks on various talk shows and uh, famously showed how to poach a fish in a dishwasher on Johnny Carson. Take the wine with you, Johnny. No, I think I've had enough. Why don't you drink it here? Now, let's see. First, we'll bowl a little. Oh, look, isn't that beautiful? Look at that. Look at that fish, come on. You bone that well. That's the thing that I don't know how to do. Well, that's just something you have to learn how to do. I've been married so many times, I've learned how to bone anything. So Vincent Price's final role, his final role was as the inventor in Tim Burton's film Edward Scissorhands in 1990. So I remember seeing that film and going, oh yeah, that guy is still alive. (laughs) And uh, which is... You know, because again, I remember him as a kid seeing him in television in the 70s, and that was my introduction. But uh, apparently the role was uh, that was written for him was intended to be much bigger. But Price was very ill at that point in his life, uh, was suffering from emphysema and Parkinson's disease. So he only appears in two scenes in Edward Scissorhands. But still, it's such a it's such a blast to see to see him in that particular movie. Yeah, and I think that was, you know, Tim Burton wanted him in the movie so much. He was willing to shrink the part and change the movie around to to just have him. Because think about it, you know, he, Tim Burton is of an age, he probably grew up watching every Vincent Price movie, like two for a quarter in a theater or something. Yeah. So, I, I mean, if I were in his shoes, I'd be like, uh, you want to do it? Yeah, but you can only do two scenes? Done. I'll figure it out. Whatever. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure. I mean, when you have a chance to uh, to get your one of your uh, favorite icons into a movie, you're going to make it work, however that has to be. Right. And now that's, you know, 
this is weird. We're what? It's just about 28 years from his death by the time this will go out. He died on October 25th, yes. 1993. In Los Angeles, California. You know, sun. It's probably warm there in, the, in October. Although right now well, it's, it's warm in California Toronto in October sure. and I'm not but, too thrilled uh, with but it. But yeah, I mean, I, I think this was, uh, <laughs> a, well, global warming, you know. But yeah. no, I think this was this was a really nice choice uh, as the as his death anniversary is coming up, and of course because it's October and everyone is plotting what they're going to do for Halloween, whether that means a in person event or a, a house party or a stay at home kind of watch horror movies party. I, I think checking out some of Vincent Price's films are a great idea and a great addition. Yeah, I I, I totally agree because he he did so much in so so many different styles that you can just you can find something that'll work for you. Absolutely. I mean, again, he had such a work ethic and enjoyed working, but then thought he'd have more time at the end of his life to be able to just kind of mess about, maybe have like a, an antique store and, and kind of live out the, the rest of his days uh, more quietly. But uh, again, I'm really grateful to have seen that. Oh, yeah. And his last film was uh, was in Edward Scissorhands, which is really cool. But yeah, I mean, he, again, has spanned across so many generations with his work. Uh, I, I think it's pretty incredible. He, again, is so distinctive. You know who that is from that voice when you hear him, whether he's the voice of a cartoon or narrating a part in a song. I mean, he was a pretty imposing presence on screen. Uh, he was like he was like six four, really tall. So yeah, but um, yeah, I think that really sums up uh, our appreciation for classic horror and a classic icon. So it is one thing to acknowledge all of his acting debuts, but I found one interesting tidbit on Vincent. Price uh, when he was a young man in his 20s, which would have been the early 1930s. And that was, like many other people from the Midwest and in the States, he early on supported the ideas that Hitler was putting out there. Yes, I've read that, that he kind of got swept up in a lot of that nationalism and everything. Yeah. Although he came around, I mean, he uh, completely acknowledged and, and kind of pushed that down and was embarrassed of those particular views because he he came to his senses and it just goes to show there is an opportunity for redemption. Yeah. And that's kind of why I wanted to call it out. And he actually got there from what I said, where read rather, there wasn't a particular, they didn't really give a date or a time frame, but what they said by his late 20s. So his late 20s would have been around the time the states got into the war mm. so it was before a lot of the true atrocities committed by the nazis were revealed which yeah. i think is the right way to come around you you got there before it was like hey look they killed millions of people for no reason uh just because and i'm glad he got there on his own before all that, because turning around at that point is just like, oh, yeah, I guess they are bad. Yeah. And I mean, later in life, Vincent Price would be a big supporter of the LGBTQ plus community, as well as fighting for indigenous rights. Yep. So being that we are a music podcast, I think not going out on a song he was in would uh, be a mistake. But that leaves us with the choices of Alice Cooper or Michael Jackson, <laughs> unless you could think of something else. Uh, I... 
No, I well, I I think that's pretty. I think that's a pretty obvious call because I don't want to endorse Michael Jackson ever again. Because you know they say that death makes saints of us all, but considering what a horrible person he was, for you know, like people are like, well, you know, considering how he was raised and blah blah blah, like that doesn't just because you have an abusive childhood doesn't make you pedophile. But I don't want to promote a pedophile, so I. I would not put that song here. I would much rather put in Black Widow by Alice Cooper. All right. Let's end on Alice Cooper. And when I hear this, when our fans hear this, it'll probably be the first time I hear this. So, you know, that might, I'll be sharing that with some of you, I think. Leaving Lepidoptera, please don't touch the displays, little boy. <laughs> oh, cute. Moving to the next aisle, we have Arachnida, the spiders, our finest collection. This friendly little devil is the Heptothilidae, unfortunately harmless. Next to him, the nasty Lycosa raptoria. His tiny fangs cause creeping ulcerations of the skin. <laughs> and here, my prize, the Black Widow. Isn't she lovely and so deadly? Her kiss is 15 times as poisonous as that of the rattlesnake. <laughs> you see, her venom is highly neurotoxic, which is to say that it attacks the central nervous system, <laughs> causing intense pain, profuse sweating, difficulty in breathing, loss of consciousness, violent convulsions, and finally, uh, death. You know, I think what I love the most about her is her inborn need to dominate, possess. In fact, immediately after the consummation of her marriage to the smaller and weaker male of the species, she kills and eats him. Oh, she is delicious. <laughs> and I hope he was. Such power and dignity, unhampered by sentiment. If I may put forward a slice of personal philosophy, I feel that man has ruled this world as a stumbling, demented child king long enough. And as his empire crumbles, my precious Black Widow shall rise as his most fitting successor. These words he speaks are true. We're all humanary stew. We don't pledge allegiance to the Black Widow. The horror that he'll bring. The horror of his sting. The unholiest of kings. The Black Widow. Our minds will be his toy. Every girl and boy will learn to be employed The Black Widow
husbands and his wives devoured. Priestess with a gleam, with a lamp so obscene, the virgins and the children he's deflowered. So that's going to about wrap it up for us today at uh, It's Midnight Somewhere. Remember, we do have a Facebook. You can hit us on an email. The Facebook is It's Midnight Somewhere Podcast. And the email is It's Midnight Somewhere Podcast at gmail.com. We've got stickers. We've got buttons. We've got a Twitch stream, Prophecy Online, where every Friday, one of us will be DJing. And right now, that's really a coin flip because we've both been having various technical issues. And only one of us seems to be working at a time. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just been kind of struggling along there. But you can tune in at twitch.tv slash prophecy underscore online. The stickers that were mentioned are available at morbidoutlook.com slash sticker. And our Alistair Meowley buttons are at morbidoutlook.com slash button. I'll ship anywhere. Just let me know and uh, we'll send it off to you. And until next time. Bye. It's Somewhere. It's midnight. It's midnight. Somewhere. It's midnight. This podcast was almost called If You Suck On It, You'll Get Smarter.